And definitely, no, I, and I agree with you. And, again, you are listening uh, to the main event sports show, Rashawn Myers catching up with grassroots basketball stalwart Clay Dade. Um, and I totally agree with you on, you know, pretty much everything uh, that you discussed as far as the fundamentals. That was a great point about the coaches being able to get out there. People talked about Rick Pitino and his abilities as, you know, kind of the, the shot doctor and, you know, what he was able to do to help guys and straighten them out as young players. Um, yeah, so, so, so that's a great point. Um, now, Clay, I do want to ask you on the other end of it as well, um, besides just the fundamentals, people always talk about the recruiting aspects of, of grassroots basketball, of summer basketball, and kind of the way that works and um, how that whole deal comes about. Uh, you know, when, when you look at these guys like um, Kenny Johnson, who, uh, you know, as you mentioned, was a, a very good friend of yours, and how, you know, it's almost to me it seems – especially, um, you know, kind of back to the Michael Beasley era. I remember the Beasley recruitment um, very vividly, that he was kind of the first major player that it was almost more about, you know, his coach, his AAU coach, and uh, kind of where he went to. I remember he was uh, first uh, kind of committed to the uh, Charlotte you know, and, and I, it was kind of amazing to see a kid that good committed to Charlotte because, you know, his AAU coach ended up getting a job there. And then, of course, ultimately um, he ended up getting hired out at uh, Kansas State, and that's where Michael Beasley ended up. What have you seen from a recruiting aspect in summer basketball? What has changed to where it's almost the relationships with the lower-level guys and not necessarily the head coaches? Where does that come from what have you seen as as far as that's concerned that's kind of changed the recruiting to something that was you know complete it used to always be about the head coach and I want to play for Rick Pitino I want to play for Cal Perry I want to play for Dean Smith I want to play for uh you know those top guys to where now it almost seems like the assistant coaches are even you know a bigger part of that well I think uh, for one I think it's still you know uh kids do want to play for legendary coaches uh I don't think that's ever going to change uh but for years, it's always going back, you know, 25, 30, 40 years, assistant coaches have always had an integral role uh, in in relationships with prospects in the recruiting process, and that will always continue. Uh, the ones that are really worth their salt, um, you know, uh, in terms of assistant coaches, what we call recruiters, you know, they, they, they develop relationships with club teams and these AAU teams and shoe sponsored teams and and um, whether you know whether they have developed those relationships over the years or in the case of you speak about Delonte Hill who was the assistant yes. you know, referenced uh, who started out in Charlotte started in the coaching profession as an assistant at uh, University of North Carolina Charlotte um, and then you know got an opportunity to join Frank Martin's staff uh, Bobby Huggins uh, staff and Frank Martin at Kansas State right. uh, and and Beasley followed him. Well, you know, that was a little bit unique uh, but back then, but it's, you know, it happens. Uh, Delonte Hill came out of the D.C. Assault, the famed D.C. Assault uh, area program in right. the Washington, D.C. area, and which had turned out so much talent. And Delonte Hill is a former assault player and he coached in the D.C. Assault program, and then he got an opportunity to coach in college basketball. And, you know, they, you use the relationships that you have, whether it be in basketball or any other facet of life or business or, or employment. And, uh, 
Yeah. Um, sales yeah. And selling. Boiler room. Well, Boiler room. Yeah. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Well, it's the same thing in basketball. ADR. you got to always be recruiting. And so college coaches, assistant coaches in particular, develop these relationships. They work them. They work very, very hard at recruiting. Uh, and now with social media, they can utilize and leverage social media like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook to develop those relationships and cultivate uh, those relationships with players, with the new coaches, with families, even more. And, and you know, develop closer bonds and relationships. And uh, I think you see that ultimately resulting in some kids' decisions to go where they go. And uh, so uh, that's, um, that's kind of where it's at. No, I, I totally agree with you, and, and you know, you kind of talk to the fact that the shoe companies now, because of the Nike EYBL and, uh, you know, kind of what uh, Under Armour's doing as, as they're becoming a more prominent feature um, in grassroots basketball as well with their, you know, with their kind of their exclusive group of players um, and the uh, UAA uh, Nationals and, and what those guys did. Uh, they were actually out here in April um, doing an event. Um, do you think that the, the, that the shoe companies have, more power than they should. I mean, it seems to me like a lot of times you have these guys that that almost seem like Nike kids, and you know the Jordan brand game is only bringing, or seems to be only bringing a lot of kids that are going to the Nike schools. Do you think that the fact that the shoe companies have so much more clout than they did maybe 30 years ago, do you think that's a good thing, a bad thing? You know, as, as far as players getting driven one way or another, we of course remember Antonio Blakeney, who was initially committed to the University of Louisville, um, and they kind of mentioned the fact that maybe Nike folks were upset because he didn't give the Nike schools enough of a chance. Do you think that the shoe companies maybe have a bit too much power these days, or is that kind of overblown? I think it's overblown some. In, in most cases, there are some not necessarily isolated. There are probably more than a few uh, scenarios where the top prospects, um, you know, there could be some influencing. There is some influencing, um, but it's a hard thing to trace or to to prove. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I think it happens, and it's always happened. Um, and uh, you know, these are very powerful entities. Under uh, Armour is gaining influence and power. Nike will always be there and always be kind of the big uh, the big cohort, if you will. The uh, 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 I mean, they are a mega power in everything, uh, from the Olympics to uh, the basketball. I mean, in everything, they're a very powerful group. And Nike basketball is is you know, I mean, they wield a lot of influence and they have the ability to um, to
Hill and others that round up the best talent that wind up playing at the biggest college basketball programs and ultimately wind up playing in the NBA and becoming NBA All-Stars and sources of their products. So if you're talking about that, then it's not hard to make the connection that there's a lot of money at stake. It is very, very uh, serious when it comes to, um, you know, uh, kids that are in high school uh, and having the ability to, uh, you know, kind of influence one way or the other um, in some measure, some kids, not all, but a lot of the top-tier kids, um, there may be, it's hard to prove, but there, there's probably more influence with the top, top elite kids um, with regard to the programs that you go to. But, uh, you know, I don't know how, you know, how, whether it's like across the board, I don't really believe it's an across the board uh, uh you know, from all, all Nike kids and EYBL wind up going for the most part to Nike programs. No, right. uh, that's not the case at all. You go where it's the best fit. In a lot of cases, you go where, you know, your AAU coach might have, uh, you know, an unspoken agreement, uh, you know, with a particular college program. I mean, that happens. I'm just being real. Right. You know, um, and uh, whatever that agreement is in, it fails. But, you know, Bottom line is it gets done. Nobody can prove what goes on behind the scenes. It's hard to follow a trail. Right. And um, but the the upshot is that we get great basketball. We get to see it. We get to experience it. And um, you know, not all waters are are clean. You know, a lot of muddy waters have resulted in great music, great sports and basketball, mm-hmm. great uh, you know great uh, policies that we live in in our lives uh, in major cities across America. So it's not all clean. It's not all done above, you know, uh, you know, above, uh, up to what folks would like to see. But the upshot is sometimes you get a great result or you get a great product in many cases. No, so I think that's what, we, that's what we talk about with college basketball and high school basketball recruiting. No doubt, and I totally agree with you. And, you know, always has been my kind of my aspect is when you look at the NCAA in general, you know, Nike, um, Adidas, Under Armour, you know, they, they they are a part of, you know, NCAA makes money off of those guys. So do you think, you know, maybe with the fact that there is a clear partnership between the NCAA and Nike and Adidas um, that a lot of these things maybe don't go – necessarily as policed as much or there's not a lot looked into it because of the fact that, you know, they are holding hands and kind of making money together in this? Um, well, yeah, I mean, there's there's synergistic relationship. Um, you know, as far as, you know, kids and, and student-athletes, um, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a long-running debate and about so-called whether they're exploited um, some feel there's exploitation and that they should be getting some kind of uh, remuneration or compensation or decay. Um, I certainly think that for what 
money that they generate and produce. Um, so when you're talking TV contracts and uh, money at the gate for ticket sales and merchandise, oh man, we didn't even talk about money. <laughs> so, I mean, those are three huge streams of, of income, net income, operating income, and revenue. And as a, as a business person, um, you know, I mean, having worked in the NBA and having run my own sports marketing company for 21 years, I can tell you that no right-thinking American, this is America, so yeah. no American would no American would line up with that in any other facet uh, or business or, in, or enterprise. And so, you know, I'm with Jake Billis and I'm with, you know, some of the others that have, um, that have championed more a more equitable solution than what it, than what has been totally uh, 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 exploitative for four years, you know, especially since the advent of TV, the explosion of TV and college sports. No, I totally agree with you, and, and you know, of course, we've seen over the years, uh, you know, both locally and um, in general, some of the names of some of the guys who work. Uh, you know, kind of as I don't know, go between. They, they talk about guys like like Mark Kamara uh, from back in the day uh, and his involvement, and of course William Wesley and and, and what he's been able to do worldwide. West, um, as far as a guy who I, I don't know if the, if he's a guy who who drives players one way or the other. I don't really. I've never really understood his whole <laughs> his whole thing uh, as as far as his impact. But what what is your thoughts on those guys who are kind of not necessarily associated with the AAU guys or grassroots basketball, not really associated with the teams, but they seem to have so much impact on young players and kind of, uh, you know, dri- driving players here or there. Is, is, is that, you know, it, just your thoughts with guys like uh, World Wide West, and is that okay? Is, is that something that just is necessary evil? What What is kind of what, what you've seen? What What is that whole deal there? I don't have any thoughts on that. Um, I, well, I shouldn't say I don't have any thoughts, but <laughs> I don't know that that um, that I'm informed enough. Um, because for those kinds of things, you got to be really informed and, and almost an eyewitness and close to. Uh, you got to know people. I don't know those uh, figures or those people well enough to comment mm-hmm. uh, intelligent, intelligently, and, and when I say intelligent, I mean accurately. Right. And uh, it's important to be accurate. You know, there's a lot of allegations out there um, that are flinging and being flung around and flinging that have been, you know, um, uh, uh, offered up and that have been uh, leveled at, at people and, and these so-called individuals. And, and so I'm not going to add to that because there's been plenty of that. Mm-hmm. All I can say is that if I don't know somebody well enough, or if I'm not privy to an actual occurrence or situation directly right. that I was involved in, or that I've been, uh, that I've been, you know, uh, 
just ask you in general, of course, because I, I must ask: Are, are there any, uh, you know, are, are there any things that you know where these types of things happen? Because, of course, as you said, we hear about all these things. When I was out, um, you know, covering a lot of these events, you, you see or you hear about players where they're kind of, you know, to the highest bidder. They, you know, sometimes they they want to call it a meat market for players. Um, you know, ha- has there been any of those situations where, where you know? those things have happened in your history with the game, or has that been kind of outside the scope of what you do? Well, sure. Um, you know, uh, I mean, if you work in this long enough, you will see things. I mean, you'll experience things that, you know, some make your eyes pop and bulge and, you know, others are, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's part of business. And, it, you know, I could write a book on my experiences and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, with respect, I do work in the business, so, mm-hmm. you know, those relationships uh, are important, and, and, you know, frankly, you're talking about, you know, people in their lives, and, and not just, you know, I mean, everyone, players, uh, kids, parents, uh, people in the game, like myself that work in this, coaches, mm-hmm. I mean, so, you know, those relationships have to go on, and I think what gets twisted too is that when things happen, right. I think people tend to go, "Oh, well, that person's a bad person." Well, not necessarily. Maybe it's just part of the business. Maybe it's just part of the way things are done. Or that guy's a bad. He's a bad guy. He's talking about a coach. He's a bad guy. Well, not necessarily. Not a bad. Not a bad guy. Not a, not a bad coach. You know. But you know, let's understand that we're in a very as I said, we're in a very high-pressure business. We're in a business that has morphed into and developed into a very uh, highly paid business. Um, you're talking about, you know, multi-million-dollar uh, earnings for many people, coaches, uh, um, people that have executive positions with companies, and on and on and on that are in basketball. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of power. to this level to, you know, really talk about it being a player's, 
university and, and, you know, being about the players first. And my biggest job is to get these young men to the next level and kind of fulfill their dreams. What, what are your thoughts on Coach Cal, how he's done things and done things, and is it something that's good for the game of college basketball? Well, I mean, it's debatable whether it's good for college basketball. What you can't debate is he has won. I mean, he's a winning coach. Um, you know, with all due respect, he's always been a winner. Um, there's some question as to how his tactics and how he's been able to get it done, but are they any different from, you know, dozens of, uh, you know, others who may just, as they say, you know, come under the kind of scrutiny? Uh, I don't know. That's open to debate. That's open to question. That's something that would have to be proven. And, um, and I certainly don't have any, you know, uh, I haven't done any kind of uh, commission or, or produced any kind of uh, proof around that. I don't have the time and I don't have the interest. <laughs> you know, I do what I do and run a company. But has he had tremendous success, outsized success? Absolutely. Has he improved the lives of, of, of families and of kids who otherwise may not have had the kind of lifestyle and, and been in the kind of so-called income bracket, tax bracket that they found themselves in at young ages and, and, and it changed the course of families, you know, for generations to come. Sure. Uh, what value does that have? What, you know, what, what, you know, what does that translate to? Well, I think it's pretty significant. Um, I call him the Peter Pan of, of you know, he's like the Peter Pan of sports, <laughs> not just basketball. He's the Peter Pan, or the, uh, uh, if not the Peter Pan, he's the Robin Hood. Uh, not necessarily stealing from the rich to give to the poor, but, you know, he's viewed, I believe, in, in certain communities around our country, and, the, you know, those that come from those backgrounds I described earlier, shoot, he's the ticket. He's viewed as, as one of the, one of the super highways to uh, fortune, and so who can argue that? You know, he's been he probably came up hard scrabble in Pittsburgh, and you know found found a gateway to you know not only doing something he loves and coaching basketball, but he came along during a time when coaching basketball became more than just a location and became something that uh, developed into a very very, very lucrative uh, endeavor and, and occupation from the 90s when he came about all the way through the 90s and now for the 2000s and into the, you know, 2010, 11, and beyond is where we are now in 2015. So it's been a very lucrative, of course, he had to sit in the NBA. So he comes along at a time, much like Rick Pitino, when it has become a very lucrative uh, profession and occupation. And, you know, he's taking some people with him. He's taking, he's taking young, talented, you know, uh, African-American players with him and their families. I think that's pretty huge. And, uh, shoot, where can I sign up for that? I'm 48. Can I go back to being 18? Yeah, no doubt. And, and, and totally agree with you on that is that, you know, John Calipari, he's been an innovator. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to talk about his methods and means and say that, you know, some of the things that, that he does are shady and, 
Uh, even, even you know, with we remember the story that was written about Anthony Davis and the questions about um, the possibility of, of paying players or Eric Bledsoe not being eligible or uh, this, that, and other. And even uh, Scalabissier, a young man who's um, scheduled to come to campus this year um, uh, and be a part of the University of Kentucky program, has some questions about his eligibility. Um, do you have any issue with Cal recruiting guys that are kind of quote-unquote in that gray area and not really being afraid to – you know, really go out there and get the best players regardless of any question marks around them. Do you take issue with the fact that he's doing that because so many – there are questions around him. Is that something that you look before, at? Before I answer that, Rashawn, I think I should add that um, – and, and this is, you know, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. A lot of the kids that, that Kentucky gets that Coach Calipari recruits successfully that wind up there at UK, um, he gets a lot of credit and a lot of – He's done a great job at branding, uh, branding the Kentucky program, mm-hmm. or rebranding it as kind of the the place you go if you want to get to the NBA. Let's be honest. Right. These guys that he's recruited, they were going to be pros anyway. Right. I mean, let's let's let's. I mean, let's be real. And this is no disrespect to Coach Calipari, and, and no disrespect to the University of Kentucky basketball, but they were going to be pros. Anyway, right. um, now whether they were going to have the same draft status and high draft position or whatever, I mean that can be argued. But they were going to be NBA players anyway. They, many of them were going to be lottery picks anyway because they were McDonald's All Americans. That sticks with you. They could have gone to a lot of other programs and still played in the NBA. Um, so I want to get that. <laughs> I want to be clear on that. Right. So when kids say. I choose Kentucky. I want to play for Coach John Calipari, and I want to go to Kentucky because he gets you ready for the NBA. Well, <laughs> I mean, guys are going to Louisville and getting to the NBA. Guys are going to Duke and playing in the NBA. Guys have been going to North Carolina for years and going to the NBA and UCLA and many other programs. Um, Cameron Payne just went to the NBA, went in the top ten as a lottery pick from Murray State. And he was not a McDonald's All American, so kind of Memphis, Tennessee. So when I when I say that, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just being honest that he's done a masterful job at branding and rebranding the Kentucky program to be known as a super highway to getting to the NBA and going in the first round of the draft. So you know, kudos and, and shout out for that. Um, but it's it's not you know. You know, now Scala this year, who I'm very close, uh, I've been close to over the years and have known since he first came into the country from Haiti as a refugee of the earthquake there, uh, the devastating earthquake there. He has a great story. He's a wonderful young man. Uh, he speaks French fluently. He and I often speak French uh, with each other or, or have in the past uh, together. Uh, he's a great young man and an incredible talent. I mean, you have no idea what you're getting Kentucky to answer me. If, if he's allowed to show it, um, I mean, he has immense talent and ability. Uh, um, but uh, I am not familiar. I'm very close to, to that situation. But I'm not familiar with the intricacies of everything that has been speculated around his recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't have information. I am close to that situation, but I can't comment 
You know, I'm going to ask you, so do, do you think that we will see Scal uh, in, in uniform? Because, you know, he's probably the most talked about guy since Ennis Cantor. Do, do you think he'll get eligible? I do. I do. Uh, I think he'll get eligible. 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 Uh, I think he'll